Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dreamer Talks. My name is Abby Volkovich, and I'm your host. It is my job on this podcast to introduce you to dreamers from many different fields and walks of life. It is important to note that we can learn many things from the people we surround ourselves with. This is why I have ventured out to interview dreamers who are willing to share their journey with us. Before we begin, if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, I want to give you guys a warm welcome. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to send it over to your friends. They might also enjoy this podcast, and there are a lot of other interviews that I've done with other dreamers, so make sure to check them out as well. Our guest for this episode is Yarden Saxophone. Yarden has been playing the saxophone worldwide for a couple of years now and has her own little twist to what can be done with a saxophone. So I strongly recommend before you continue listening to this episode that you go check out her music. You can search Yarden Saxophone on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or any platform that you listen to music on. And of course, all of that will be linked below. Without further ado, I give you guys Yarden Saxophone. Enjoy. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dreamer Talks. Today I'm joined with Yarden Saxophone. Uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Really, really excited to have this episode. Yeah, um, finally. I saw you for the first time at a company party where you were <laughs> opening, and I honestly just started jamming like crazy. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, and it was from a there, fun night. It was a lot, a lot of fun. And from there, I just kept coming to more of your shows and I'm really upset about yeah you were the fun person and all the businessmen <laughs> that were there. right uh so please if uh, you could tell us a little bit about how you started getting into music into saxophone your sure. kind of path to where you've gone right now so um I started playing the saxophone when I was pretty young at eight years old and I lived with my family in New Zealand my parents were diplomats, so we lived there for two years. And I don't know, they take music more seriously there than they do in Israel. So like, um, I had to choose an instrument. I thought saxophone was cool. Um, and I started playing there. Um, and then I moved with my family to Australia. And only then we came back to Israel when I was about 12. And like everything changed constantly during these years, except the fact that I played the saxophone. So, <laughs> so it always that, came with you. Yeah, it always came with me. It gave me this, I don't know, a little bit more confidence with like friends and different environments. And you, you were also switching friends. Yeah, switching everything, schools, friends, everything. Um, so, so when I came back to Israel, it was pretty unique, the saxophone. I mean, I weren't many other girls who played that instrument. Actually, not many boys either, but um, it was always like something that um, moved around with me. And I really enjoyed it, but I was never like the best saxophone player, or I wasn't like the, the kid in the band that everyone was like, this is a promising talent, <laughs> nothing like that. I was pretty okay, mostly having fun with the instrument. Um, and then growing up, I moved to a high school in Jerusalem um, called the Music and Dance Academy, a very professional uh, high school. for high school? Yeah, for high school. I really enjoyed it. Um, they teach you everything about music, classical music, jazz, and um, it, was very, it was a very fun experience. Like all my friends were either musicians or dancers, which was fun. Wow. Um, and then I went to the army 
I did three years. I was an officer <laughs> um, at the spokesperson unit. So I kind of let the music uh, aside for a while. And then when I finished, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, after doing a, a period of office work at the army, I was like, okay, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> I'm never going to work in it. I don't, I don't want to say never, but I did not enjoy the, like, the work environment of s- sitting in an office in front of a computer mm-hmm. and uh, doing that kind of stuff. And I started performing and I felt like, okay, this is the real thing. This is where I get my energies from. This is where I feel at my best. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. really cool. And so you started right after the army. What was your first show? Or how was that process of so, approaching that? So I started performing much younger. When mm-hmm. I was 16, um, I started like understanding I want to make money. And I like the only thing I knew how to do at a good level was playing the saxophone. So I started playing at like family bar mitzvahs and events and stuff like that. It was so exciting for me. I had like a piano player I would take with me everywhere and would perform like covers and stuff. And I mean, that was young at 16. We like printed our um, business cards and everything and started promoting it. And uh, that was a really good way to start because like I've been performing since then. So after the army, I started like taking more seriously, you know, building my own website, starting to like perform wherever I can, whether it's restaurants or hotels or events or weddings, anything that was like, okay, you can play here. Mm-hmm. I was there. Um, and then I started understanding what I was better at, like that I like playing with the DJ, like what kind of music I like playing yeah. with and stuff like that. That's really cool. And so you've gone from doing the bar mitzvahs to now playing yeah. in Valterans <laughs> and big company events. And- so the bar mitzvahs and the small events and the private events, that gave me like a lot, a lot of experience because mm-hmm. when you play at those kind of uh, events, like people won't listen to you play if you don't give it your best. Like if you don't give a show, they're just gonna eat their filet <laughs> and their table and not really gonna look at you. So that was a great like boot camp for for performing, because once you can entertain people there, you can entertain people everywhere. Like if you get their attention, if you make them dance at these kinds of events, then it's gonna be much easier later. So after doing a lot of those events and getting like really good at what I do at like performing live, um, I started understanding what I like and I like performing with, with DJs. I like performing in clubs and that's where I started um, moving my career towards. Yeah. Very <laughs> exciting. And yeah. so throughout that whole process, uh, what would you say has been one of the challenges uh, that you had to overcome um one of the challenges would be giving people a different narrative or perspective about what the saxophone could be in their party because mostly when like at the beginning when i was talking to club promoters and people like that and i was like yeah i want to play the saxophone at like 1 a.m at the peak of the night and they're like we don't get it like the, this it does not work like that it's like the, the peak of the party you can't bring out your saxophone there and start you know playing I don't know <laughs> like Kenny G stuff right. and I, so explaining to people like changing their whole vision about this instrument and, or um, trying to convince them that I can take it to a 
totally different place was very hard at the beginning before I had like videos to right. support that. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think for context, for people who aren't really getting the point that you just made, you have to go click on the links below and listen to yeah. some of the music. Uh, exactly. You really did revolutionize. I mean, it was <laughs> the first you. time at that party that I first saw you where I had that mind switch. Yeah, people have that mind yeah, switch. Yeah, it's like, whoa, <laughs> I never saw the saxophone in that light. In that context. Yeah, yeah and my, like you, I was also in a art high school oh, cool. uh, back in Toronto. And it just brought me back to, like, my friends were music majors. I was in the drama program. So you brought me back to the moment where we're <laughs> hanging out in the halls and then the saxophone is, guitar, everyone is just jamming in the jamming. halls. So it was really, really cool to see that. So again, context, you have to go check out uh, Yardin's music if Thank you have you. not already done so. Um, cool. If you uh, think of yourself right now, 10 years forward. Yeah. Okay. What would you tell yourself now? If that makes sense, the question. What would I tell myself now? Yeah. Like if I was 37, mm -hmm. not 27. Um, can, can you curse in this? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Chill the fuck out. I mean, I take things a bit too seriously sometimes. And if I could just like tell myself to, you know, take things a bit more, like it'll be okay, right? Like I feel like I'm in a rush. I feel like I'm in a race to get to wherever I want to be, to play at the places I want to play at. And th this is generally just a fun thing to do. I perform, I play live music for happy people. It's not something to be like, to take over seriously. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a career and I should take that seriously, but I should like chill out a bit. And if I knew that everything will be okay in 10 years, like, you know, I'll get where I want to be. I'll have the song, my songs out, everything will be okay. Then I'll just be like, okay, just enjoy the way. Amazing. And going with that question now, yeah. if you could now, Tell yourself 10 years prior. Prior. Um, I would tell myself to be patient. Be patient. <laughs> yeah, everything has its time. Like, if I wanted to 10 years ago have the shows I have now, it wouldn't. I mean, everything has its time. When they gave me a big um, opening set to do, like, in front of 10,000 people, it would have not been right if I got that when I was. 10 years before I wouldn't have done it the same way. So getting that experience and state of mind and getting um, more um, like being more of an adult, like mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, mature. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, um, I mean, this has got a bit of a leading question, but yeah. <laughs> all that experience that you've had, you, I assume you've also had some feathers here and there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, can you maybe give a little anecdote or something mm -hmm. that really taught you a lesson that, yeah um so usually when i want something i do like anything to get it and for example i really wanted um there was a poor performance a few years ago like a really big one and i really 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 wanted to play there i was like i don't care what happens i'm gonna be on that stage and most of the time that works for me. Like I put that, like what I want to get and what I want to achieve. I talk to the right people. I uh, send the right emails and then something happens. And they were like, no, we don't want anything. We just want the DJs we have there. And I tried contacting the, the, the right person and sending a message. Like I went too far. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think I was just being annoyed. <laughs> so that was a point of like, okay, sometimes you gotta just let things go. If things don't work and you tried your best, just 
there'll be a next time. It'll happen again next year. It's not for you at the moment. So I think that was the one that I understood that I just need to let go sometimes. And if this show is not right for me, then it's just not. Right. right. Sometimes you got to take the the no yeah, in your path. Exactly. Take the no in your path. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Um, all right. If you uh, could share with the listeners who inspires you to make the music that you do, because um, you know we yeah. mentioned you revolutionized saxophone, <laughs> turning it into something new. How did that first switch in your head? So um, from the beginning, I wasn't a typical saxophone player. Like. Growing up in the in the high school I told you about, most of my fellow saxophone players would listen to like jazz, to Coltrane, to Charlie Parker, to like different iconic saxophone players. And I was different in that manner. Like I listened to iconic saxophone solos and pop music, like um, in, I don't know, in Phil Collins songs and uh, Pink Floyd songs. Like I, that's what I enjoyed listening to when, sorry. <laughs> Um, that's what I enjoyed listening to, and that's what I wanted to sound like. So once I um, accepted the fact that I just don't enjoy the type of music that they do as much, and that's what I like, and that's what I want to play, then then I allowed myself to bring the saxophone into different styles of music that I like, and that's now electronic music and um, house music, uh, pop music, EDM, um, tropical house, those genres. And once you let yourself just play, um, and bring your set of skills on the saxophone into that kind of music. Um, things get, can get really interesting and unique. Yeah, that's wow. That's really cool. Uh, are you familiar with the book Steal Like an Artist? Steal Like an Artist? No. No. I recommend you check it out. They talk about uh, somewhat what you just mentioned. It's taking snippets from different artists and kind of making it your own. Uh, so I, I think. You've, I'll you've, take a look into that. Yeah, that I think you, you'd really uh, appreciate that. It's a small little book, very visual as well. I think that's the key because, I mean, there's always going to be, a, well, not always, but there are going to be better technical musicians than you, people that improvise better. Also, as in, like, as an artist, there's, there's going, always going to be a Chinese kid on YouTube that will do it better than you. That's what I heard someone say. <laughs> There's always going to be this little 10-year-old Chinese uh, saxophone player that is going to play much better than you on YouTube. So that's not my goal, to be like the best technical musician or, or something like that. My goal is to bring my like, life experience, my passion, my the art that I like into my music. So that's fun. That's really cool. All right. Well, um... If you uh, had to write a quote right now in Tel Aviv with a picture of you with a sax <laughs> and uh, something on that uh, poster, yeah, something that you would want to share with all of Israel that everyone can see. Okay, it's a, li a little bit cheesy, but you'll, you'll have to help me translate that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's <laughs> My dad used to tell me this, and it's very like army oriented because he's yeah. like a, a security person mm -hmm. but it's true and then the hama'ez menatzeach so like the one who dares wins does that uh, mean yeah the bold the win. bold yeah. wins yeah because i found that like some of the best opportunities i had in life was when i was like for example i was in a um rehearsal re rehearsal room 
And I saw that in the room next to us was like, uh, was playing a band that I really wanted to play with. It was a big story. And then I was like, okay, they're not gonna approach me. I mean, I'm just playing here in the next room. They're right here. I could just approach them. I could just go ahead and talk to them. And by doing that, I got like one of the biggest opportunities I got in my career. So I think if, if you're bold, if you let yourself just make the move, you're definitely gonna win this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important for, you know, anyone. It applies, I think, to not just music. I think it applies to anything in life. True. You gotta take that leap to... Yeah, dare. Yeah, I mean, you already have the no if you don't yeah, go for it. Yeah, worst case, you get a no. Yeah. It's like, I got so many no's. <laughs> I still get, like, it's it's part of the it's part of the journey. It's never gonna be all yes. It's all right. And, yeah. So if you were to right now share, uh, if you're comfortable with it, the dream right now, uh, five, ten years, like where, where do you see yourself? So um, I think about this a lot. Um, my dream would be like performing in big festivals. Like at the moment, most of my shows are, um, I'd say like 70% of my shows are events like corporate private events and 30% of my shows are um, clubs, festivals and stuff like that. Um, so I would want to make that the other way around. I, I want to perform more festivals, um, more with original music that I'm working on now and have like a set of my own of like an hour with music that I produce and uh, have people buy tickets to that kind of show. Yeah. And festivals like Tomorrowland, Ultra, stuff like that. Well, there you have it, guys. In 10 years, you can yeah. buy a ticket. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I I'll definitely be there. I've been going. Yeah, you'll, I've been going you're to the getting ones. a ticket from me. <laughs> Front row. <laughs> um, okay, so now going back to the music. Uh, yeah. Now you've started, I don't know if it's now, but you, I, you just showed me a preview of one of the songs. Yeah. Uh, how do you go about starting a song? What pops into your head first, the beat, the saxophone? What What's the process for you? Um, so it really varies. I mean, it's different each time. I can't say that like I have a method that works. Um, sometimes I would start just like hitting some chords, seeing if something sounds cool. Sometimes I would start by going through like samples uh, through like websites and I'd find like a cool uh, hook that I can work around. Um, or I would sometimes like when I'm at a sh live show and I play with a DJ, I would like improvise and I would find like figure out a hook that I like playing on the song and I would record it on my phone, <laughs> like repeat it a few times and I'd go back home and like try to make a song over it. So that's fun. Yeah, that's yeah cool. so it's different each time. Nice. Um, all right. Now as an artist, yeah, there's a lot of other artists out there that struggle turning the art into uh, a business. Yeah. It's a, it's a cliche where, oh, the artist, you know, yeah. he's the struggling artist. How do you, um, if you could give any practical advice mm. to a painter, photographer, musician, whatever art uh, is being pursued to build that business side of their passion? I'd say you have to be very, like you have to have both sides. You have to be both an artist and have your, you know, artistic part and a business person. Like if you don't treat this thing as a business, it's never going to make money. 
Like it's never, unless I don't know, some miracle happens, but you got to treat it as a business, just like you treat it as an, as your passion and your art. And that means everything that a business means. That means having a plan for the year to come, for the month to come. That means um, putting together things that you might not want to deal with at the moment, like building your own website, um, bringing you know, photographers and videographers to your shows to have. Like You can't sell something if you can't show it to people. Mm-hmm. So like I see many good musicians, and I'm like, okay, I want to... Um, give you a gig that I can't make. And they're like, yeah, but we don't have a video. And I'm like, then how, how is this going to be sold? Then you have to treat these things like a business and um, put the time, uh, sometimes some money into it. Not too much, because today you can do really everything on your own. I mean, I edit most of my videos. I do lots of my graphics. And like, you can do most of these stuff with the tools you have today without spending too much money. Um, so yeah, you got to treat it like a business. and. You know, in the same way you would buy a new attachment or whatever yeah, you need for exactly. an instrument or you know a different brush, exactly. It's also an investment to make that website and you know that business aspect of it. And also, like once you're performing, you gotta be like I see a lot of artists um, not taking this part seriously, but you have to be as professional as you can, not only with your art but also with your presence, like with your being on time being dressed properly to the right, like if you're playing at a wedding now, you, you have to be wearing whatever, you know, mm-hmm. is right for that. You can't be like, I used to have a jazz um, band when I was younger um, and I worked with three male musicians and every show that like appear with, <laughs> like we didn't want a big uh, gig for a bank and like one of them came with a sweatshirt and, and I already knew that. So I always had it in my cart, like my dad's like jackets and, <laughs> and ties, like three of them. And I was like, okay, you get that. <laughs> so, That's um, really funny. so I think people need to take these stuff very seriously because once you want to make money out of your art, you'll have clients and the clients will be happy only if you give them the full package, not mm-hmm. only sing or play nice or amazing um but also show their own time professionalism yeah exactly mm-hmm. that's kind of stuff that's incredible and what are like what what steps did you first take that you had that uh oh gosh i don't want to do it and then and then you eventually you know got around to doing it like how is that transition made for the website for your mm-hmm. designs so for me it was never like i don't want to do it because i have that like business part of me mm-hmm. like um, also, those three years in the spokesperson unit helped me understand branding and, right. and, and developing a, a, a brand and stuff like that. Um, so I was always pretty cool with it. Like I remember the first, my last week in the army, I already printed um, a business cards because I knew like, okay, I want to start this thing full power. Um, do I 100% know what I'm selling? No, I'll figure it out. Right. But I know that I want to play in events and I want to, you know, make people happy with my music and I know how to do this. So I'll just start, you know, selling it. Yeah. And, um, that's again, that's daring and that's, um, a little bit faking until you're making it. <laughs> Cause if you like, I'm thinking of any business owner that's just starting and they like print business cards, but not that business cards is that relevant these days. I don't have them anymore. It's mostly websites right. and social media. But once you present something that you want to be, also, if you're not there already, you're starting to go that direction. Mm-hmm. So that's important. A bit of projecting, even yeah, to your clients. Exactly. You, know, you want to project, because it's also kind of projecting for yourself. 
Yeah. Uh, you want to, sure. you know, vi- envision yourself already where you're exactly. wanting to be. I think exactly. I'm- so always like when you um, envision yourself, go two steps ahead where you're at already. Like that always helps. And these days it's important to talk when we talk about this, um, about social media. Because when I started, um, it wasn't as big, but now, it, well, it kind of was, but now it's much oh, it's bigger. It's definitely growing, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of new avenues. and Like these days, 90% of my time when I do the business part, it goes on social media. Um, making sure my Instagram looks great, um, my Facebook. Um, now even TikTok, right? I yeah. mean, I had to open TikTok. I heard. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned to to you earlier, Gary Vee. Yeah. He says all artists have to be on TikTok. So, Definitely. Yeah. De- and be there as soon as possible, not tomorrow. Like right. these things, you need to open your account as soon, like better, as soon as possible. Yeah. No, and it's to that. Like I've also been, you know, struggling with a podcast. Yeah. To put that content on Instagram, TikTok, all these different platforms. It's a lot of work it's, and it is. the artists themselves, you know, for anyone listening right now that wants to make content, it's not, you know, the five minutes that you would normally do a story. There's a lot of thought that goes into yeah. it and a lot of uh, planning to really create that brand. I mean, exactly. Like, you want to do a video, you need to edit it, you need the material, you need to know what you want to say, you need to write something underneath. I struggle with that, like they're writing a few words, like underneath the picture, like what, what do I want to say about this? <laughs> the yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, there, there are careers that are based exclusively on that, you know, for big yeah. companies and whatnot, exactly. they got people tired. But what you mentioned earlier of uh, now anyone can really do it. Uh, how did you go about educating yourself in these different uh, business needs that you had? Um, like educating myself. For, for, for like editing a movie. Yeah. What, is it YouTube videos? Is it friends? How did you go about actually acquiring that kind of so knowledge? So lots of YouTube videos, like um, lots of just working with what I had. Like if I had iMovie on my computer, I just tried to do the best with what I could. And if I felt like it needed to be a level higher, then I started learning, um, you know, Adobe, uh, right. like that. Um, but it's mostly just doing it step by step. If right now you just need a small promo video for a specific event you have, then you start working on that and you learn as you go. And I mean, you can just give it to professionals to do like hire like editors and stuff like that. But most musicians don't have the money to just uh, spend Mm -hmm. on professionals around them. So it's important to have that kind of yeah, no, and then yeah. once you acquire that knowledge, if yeah. you later on want to then hire people, you, you have exactly. the background of like, no, this guy's just yeah. faking it. He's, exactly. He's not a good editor, he's not this. Like, you ask him True. the right question, you know, you're more educated in it, True. I think. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me... But yeah, social media, guys. People need to be on social media. For sure. Like Instagram, it is so important. And each like uh, different uh, platform has like... When I'm on Facebook, I know that I post things for like for my friends and I know my friends are either real friends or like people in the industry in Israel. I know Mm -hmm. that I'm posting for them when I post on Instagram. I know it's not necessarily friends. It's people who find you all over like Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so it's really different and it's really important to learn these things. It's not that hard. It's just. Time and, time and attention. Yeah, yeah, I think with everything, right? Like same with a video. Yeah, exactly. You just gotta put exactly. the time to properly educate yourself and learn it. 
Yeah, um, but building a fan base over social media, it's I don't really see how you can, you know, succeed without that unless, you know, your song breaks all records. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. Well, I guess everything now is going to be on every platform and we're going to see our listeners <laughs> checking everything yeah. out. Yeah, we're going to have everything up there. Um, cool. So if right now I were to tell you, uh, you can no longer have your saxophone, your music, oh. a bit of a shock there, what route would you take to starting something new? Like what direction would you go? Um, so if it can't be in the music field, um, that's a good question. Well, I really enjoy traveling around the world. Um, that's something I get to do a lot with the saxophone. Um, and I enjoy talking to people and meeting new people. So it'll have to be something that includes both of these things. I don't have- You can travel and make a podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah, true. That's something yeah. for me right now for the, yeah. for the podcast. It's, it's been a lot of that, you know, just meeting new people. That's really cool. thing. So that's really that's, there's cool. an idea. I mean, there's an idea. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's actually going anywhere. That's cool. Uh, and now you have had the saxophone, but your skill, you, you don't have it, the, the practice in all these yeah. years, what would be the first thing you would do to start your path now? If you don't have that background in, in music, you can go to a music high school. Like imagine someone at your age right now that wants to, now? yeah, like example, someone goes to your concert, yeah. loves <laughs> the idea of saxophone and now wants to pick it up and start, you know, and it could be any instrument. Mm, I well, I have to admit, starting a saxoph playing the saxophone um, at a, like at this age would be very, very difficult. Maybe it's a hobby, but like trying to turn into something professional mm -hmm. at this point, I think it would be very, very hard. <laughs> I'm really thankful for my parents for um, mm -hmm. letting me start it when I was so young. But uh, maybe if they want to turn it into a hobby, then I would say like, okay, hire an instrument. Um, get a private teacher. Like some people think learning the saxophone off YouTube is a good idea. It's a terrible idea to learn the saxophone off YouTube. It's all like guitar, drum, stuff like that. You really need to get your embouchure, like the way you um, put your lips on the saxophone. You got, you got to do it right because if you don't, you just get used to making mistakes and your muscles get used to that. Mm -hmm. So get a teacher and, uh, oh, and a good tip would be focus on the music you like because I see many adults start playing a new instrument and they get a teacher and the teacher had started uh, teaching them classical music and they don't want to go through all that. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't want to start like, learning Bach and Mozart and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They just want to learn pop. So getting a teacher that will teach you the, the genre of music you want to learn because you started late already. There's no point in, you know, learning yeah. all the... <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people compare learning an instrument to learning a language. Uh, and I had a conversation with a friend, I mean, English for me is my second language, and Hebrew is my third. What's your first? Spanish. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I always have this conversation about, I mean, you also, your English right now, I don't know if people realize this, but it's your second language? Yeah, right? it's my second language. So, <laughs> and it's, people probably didn't tell until I said that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. For speaking, if you start talking about random stuff that you don't understand, or things that are relevant to your life, then you're not actually going to pick it up because it's not True. contextual. 
So yeah. I think what you mentioned for the exactly. instrument, it's, if it's something that you enjoy, then you'll automatically be like, wait, I got to get it right. You'll, you'll, you'll be more motivated to exactly. practice it, right? Yeah, because when you're a kid and you have your whole life in front of you, you have that time to learn, you know, some classical music, some jazz music and go through all the basics properly. But if you're an adult and you just want to start playing because you saw like a cool musician on stage or you like a specific artist or something like that, you have to be very focused on what you want to study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, so right now, uh, we're still in the middle of the Corona crisis. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is, I think, one of the challenges that you went through in your career. Suddenly the world stops. How did you go about dealing with this sudden change? Um, it's pretty tragic. I mean, I'm supposed, like, at this time of the year, I'm supposed to be every weekend in a different country. I was supposed to be... Um, this weekend in Switzerland, last week in Barcelona, the weekend before that in New York, and everything got canceled in an instant. Like everything was just like, okay, you're not going anywhere out of here. Um, it was uh, at the beginning, like when it just started, like eight, um, March, April. I was pretty cool with the with having so much time in the studio. I really tried to like could look at the best you know, the opportunities that could come out of this mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I spent, I still spend most of my time like making music and it's amazing because I would have never got this much time to like um, improve in producing. But at this point, when it's almost like six months or something like that, mm-hmm. it's, it's too crazy. I mean, I miss performing so much. Like I really miss the stage and the audience and, um, the you know the adventure of flying to different places and meeting new people and having like each night a, a different thing to look forward to so now it all feels just like a bit of a flat line and i'm pretty much getting like i'm pretty much sick of it i really so, hope things will go back to normal at some point at the beginning i was also like trying to be innovative like i did the rooftop performance right. um in tel aviv and uh, it was fun and interesting, but now I feel like I'm out of ideas. <laughs> I got it before. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I don't remember who told me this, but when this whole quarantine started, I think Macbeth was written, like Shakespeare wrote Macbeth during quarantine. Really? Yeah. So it's That's interesting. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, right now you showed me a song. Yeah. <laughs> listeners, I hope, I don't know if by next week or whenever it's out, eventually I'll link it to the actual cool. episode. Um, yeah, this song would have never happened without. There you go. Definitely. So you, you can, if we go back to, you know, you 10 years forward, yeah. uh, you'll be saying, like, oh, thank God I had that time to... Maybe, you know, yeah. hopefully. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and... Yeah, we'll have to check on <laughs> next year and see. Sure, yeah, no, I mean, the way things are looking, you know, it's... it's hopefully, it, there's not that much time left in this crisis, but... Um, I like to think that the people who took advantage of it are going to come out of it a lot stronger. True. Um, yeah. And also, a lot of people that didn't know other platforms, for example, Zoom and connecting with family and yeah. friends and whatever, we're going to now keep using that technology and all these different skills that we've acquired True. in the future. Right. So do you think, as an example, right now, you know, next week, they say... Borders are open. We found a cure. Yeah. What would be your first uh, plan or attack? Um, I would just be performing wherever I can. 
I'd be like back on stage, full power. I mean, like as a performing artist, not only do you love performing, I think you need it at some place. I don't know how healthy it is <laughs> being at this point, <laughs> but I really feel like I need to, to perform more. So I'd be like wherever I can performing and I really miss traveling. So I'd be, as much as I love Israel, I'd probably be out of here <laughs> pretty quick. But aside, when you do travel, aside yeah. for performing, what other things do you do in these different places? Do you tour as Ooh, well in yeah. different cities? Do you dive anything <laughs> like Yeah, I travel? do. I try to do as much as possible when I uh, travel because I also try not to do the, like, not to make my trips too short. Lots of touring musicians just, like, stay one night at mm-hmm. their place. I try to do it at least two nights if I can and stuff like that. And, oh, I love doing so much things. I love uh, performing at ski resorts because I love skiing. Um, I performed in Canada for the first time last year, and it was at, um, um, oh, my God, I forgot the name of the place. Um, Montreal? Blanc? Um, no, it was... Was it ski or what was it? So it was during the summer, so it wasn't... Uh-huh. But it is a ski resort and it's a mountain bike. Place. Blue Mountain, maybe? No. Uh, okay, I have to remember the, the name. But So I tried mountain biking for the first time. It was so much fun. Um, and I love traveling and going up to nightclubs to like meet people and uh, meet friends. Like there, I have some friends around the world that I met through performances and now like we're still in touch and every time in their country we meet up and everything um so yeah i try to make the best of my stay at places i mean what's the point of traveling if we're just in your hotel <laughs> right i think that you're you're getting a lot more if you're yeah extending your stay yeah. that's really what, what has been your favorite i guess locations because not not performance yeah but for the actual place and the things that you did for the actual place um well, no specific reason, but Barcelona. Whenever I'm in Barcelona, Barcelona. I just, Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I'm there, I just have the best time. I mean, it's not like I do some extreme sport or something specific there, but it's always a good time when I'm there. And good food. Good food is a big good thing food. for That's me. That's also an aspect of it. When you travel, yeah. it's a huge thing. Yeah, it is. Um, and I'm one of those people who eat everything. I mean, I'll try anything. <laughs> you got to go perform in Mexico then, once this is all yeah, over. Yeah, I've never performed that area. So, yeah. We'll set that up. <laughs> yeah, we definitely should. All our listeners in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, todos tienen que ahorita buscar y then saxofón. Ooh, listen to it. <laughs> You're going to get a message when Corona's all over from someone in Mexico. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, well, every country has its, you know, mm-hmm. fun stuff. But, yeah, that's... And now, if a pitch for Israel. If you yeah. could now pitch someone who's not from Israel, something that they have to do when they come here, aside for, you know, go to one of your shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At a restaurant. <laughs> um... Well, first of all, Tel Aviv is fucking amazing. It's like one of the best cities in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Tel Aviv and it's, I, I think a few things in Tel Aviv are just amazing. I mean, the food here, I think nothing beats the food in Tel Aviv. Um, the beach, the beach is amazing. Um, the nightlife, the, the vibrant, like everything is just so, small and close by you could just take your bike everywhere and um 
I think Tel Aviv is the place to visit in Israel. I mean, there are other historical stuff in it. All that stuff, too. All the other, All the other stuff, things. yeah. But Tel Aviv. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Tel Aviv is a... It's its own world. Yeah, it is. A Even lot of Israelis like, are like, like, oh, he's from Tel Aviv. He doesn't actually know Israel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bubble, and it's an amazing bubble. And, um, I mean, I, I haven't seen so many cities with quite the same nightlife as Tel Aviv. I mean, I was like, yeah, Sunday, I went out with a friend. Like, it was a Sunday, which in Israel is not a... It's not a party it's day. It's not a party Sunday day. Sunday is our Monday. <laughs> yeah, Sunday is our Monday. And like the bar was absolutely full and like it's always and if it's not corona even more even the clubs would be full on right. these days so it's pretty amazing yeah it's yeah. a lot of fun and, and very lively would you what would be right now something that you want to learn a new skill i want to learn french <laughs> i really want to learn french it's so hard though learning without living the language and right. like trying to print out a vocabulary and do like some youtube lessons but it just doesn't stick you know i feel like i need to spend a month yeah. there yeah i've been trying to pick up uh arabic on duolingo oh i tried that and too duolingo as great as it is that it notifies you sometimes you just leave that notification yeah sitting there exactly you should try madrasa madrasa yeah it's a really good website and uh yeah, they, they teach Arabic the best, I think. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, is there anything uh, you would like to add, seeing as this is a platform for people to learn about dreams and aspirations, for the listeners from you, stage I, is yours. Um, well, for me, I think that because when I grew up, my parents led me to believe that I could be whatever I want. Like, if I wanted to be Beyonce, I could be Beyonce. That's what they let me feel and i think that's the most important thing because once you've let yourself dream and say your dreams out loud i mean when when i talk to you and i say i want to perform the tomorrowland i don't care if people will laugh in my face i mean this is my dream this is the things that i want to do and so say your dreams out loud don't be you know embarrassed by having big dreams having big dreams is the most amazing thing and um and and dare. <laughs> yeah. dare. Yeah, and be, you know, um, have chutzpah. You know? <laughs> chutzpah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need whatever you, you can take to, like, to, um, to make it a bit further than others. So use your chutzpah, use your confidence, and just give it the best. I like how that word, chutzpah, has now become a word where any English speaker will... Yeah, I, I was wondering if, yeah. And, They'll and definitely understand that. I don't need to translate it. Amazing. And cool. if you don't, then look it up yourself. I'm not translating it for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's it's a big thing having some chutzpah because, I mean, you're not, I don't think you'll get there if you're only playing by the, yeah. you know, poli- like polite rules. and Right. Just, yeah. yeah, you gotta <laughs> yeah, you throw gotta, some punches in order to. Yeah, win the I fight. mean, if you really want it, it's not just gonna come to you. Oh, and I, I wanna say that. All the um, movies out there sell us this narrative of like, you know, a band practicing in a small room and then a manager opens the door and like, I want to sign you guys. Uh, so if there's one thing I learned, it just does not work like that. In, in no scenario <laughs> does it work like that. There's, well, maybe in a very small percentage of cases, but no manager is going to come knocking on your door begging to, you know, represent you. No record company is going to be chasing you. But 
things don't work like that. You gotta, you gotta bring those opportunities to you. Nothing's gonna come to your front door, you know? If you don't get there, it will not come to you. Cold spot. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been a real pleasure, honestly. I was looking forward to this. For me too. This interview yeah. for a while. And <laughs> if you could please share with the listeners how they can find your music, your content on Instagram, all the different platforms we spoke about. Yeah. Uh, so, your dance saxophone. Your dance. I was in it. When I talk to English speakers, I say it's a garden with a Y. <laughs> and then everybody remembers it. <laughs> so, your dance saxophone on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, Instagram. Everything. Cool. And I'll link everything below if you don't want to type it out yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dreamer Talks. I'd love to have you back again next week. So make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review of what you thought of the podcast. I'd really like the input to make this podcast as engaging and entertaining as possible. So once again, a big thank you and I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching and keep on dreaming.